1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So
2: Moses was thinking about this. And He wasn't sitting there saying, "Oh no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, it's going to be painful. What's it going to be like? Oh no! What about all my stuff? What's going to happen?" He wasn't thinking about that. Moses is only thinking of, "I'm going to die. I'm going to go to be with heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." Okay, that, I'm not worried about my future. I'm going to die. That means I'm going to leave this people. I am worried about these people. I'm a mother that is that is anxious for her children, the children of Israel, and so Moses then again. He makes this call in Deuteronomy 31, 28. Deuteronomy thirty-one twenty-eight. Moses says, gather me all of the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears. And here he says again, and call heaven and earth to record against them. Here's what he said. For I know that after my death, you will utterly corrupt yourselves. That must have broken his heart. His life work was to see them go straight, go right, go with God. But he knew. And maybe he sat there like the Lord Jesus did in in Isaiah 49, when our Lord Jesus, as we saw in the past, said, I failed. I spent my strength for naught, for vain. Anyway, he said, for I know that after my death, you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. So those are the four times, only four times, when Moses called on heaven and earth to hear. And right at the start of the book of Isaiah, right at the start of the book of Isaiah, God speaks in chapter one, and God calls all of heaven, all the beings in heaven, and all of the earth to hear how he has a completely broken heart because of the rebellion of the Jewish people. And God says in Isaiah 1-2, Isaiah 1-2, God says, Hear, O ye heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. What a heartbreak. But this address that Moses is giving, and starting in here in Deuteronomy 32, 32, one, where he's calling heaven and earth to hear him, is not like all the other times like we've been talking about, even the one in Isaiah, not like all the other times. All the other times was for heaven and earth to, to hear what he called record, record against you, to, to hear of the warnings, to hear of the rebellions, to hear of the judgments that's going to come to Israel. But not now. Not now, and that's what makes it so wonderful In Deuteronomy 32, it's to hear now of the tenderness of God. The tenderness of God. This is so important because it shows another side of God compared to all those other times. It shows the kindness of God. It shows the mercy of God. It shows the love of God. This is the same God who destroyed Egypt with 10 terrible judgment plagues. But now Moses, as he's focusing on this other side, this tender side of God, Moses is losing himself in the wonder of the glory of God's love. He's losing himself, and it's wonderful. He starts off in verse 2, and he says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Literally, this text, this verse here, too, it reads like a prayer. Literally is... May my doctrine drop as the rain. The Hebrew word for doctrine that's used here is the Hebrew word lekach. Lekach, it comes from a root word that means something that is received or something that is taken, something that is taken, something is received. So the word lekach has a very special meaning for us because we experience lekach. We experience lekach every time we understand something special from the Bible and when we do, we take it away and say, mine, that's mine, that's mine. That truth is now my own. I've taken it away. It's precious to me. It's mine. I tuck it away. Like when the Lord Jesus told the parable of the kingdom of heaven, he said in, in Matthew 13, 44, Matthew 13, 44, thinking about this word, lekach, taken, take, received. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof, Goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Comes of the treasure. There's many, many precious truths in the Bible. And they're like hidden treasures. They're not on the surface. You can't see them. They're hidden treasures. But when you find one of them, you put it in your heart. And you say, it's in my treasure box. It's a valued treasure to me. Just like Mary did in Luke 2.18. Luke 2.18 when it says, All they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was the one who said, that's mine. Peace on earth. He's going to bring peace on earth. He represents the goodwill of God. That's mine. It's a precious truth. I put it in my heart. I la kach. I received it and I took it. And this is what the Lord Jesus said should be done when he, to- he spoke in Luke 9.44. Luke 9.44, he said, they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered every one of all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink deep down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. That's what we do. When we discover a precious truth in the Bible, that truth is now mine. That's the meaning of lakak. So it means that, that rather than the word doctrine... Which is used there in verse 2, it'd be better to see that that word as truths that are understood or truths that are received or truths that are taken as possessions. So you could look at verse 2 and look at it this way. What tru- God's saying, what truths I gave or I give to be taken shall drop as rain, drop as rain. Here's a picture. That's a picture that God's painted there. It's a picture of gentle raindrops. Gentle raindrops, it's just a fine mist of rain. It, it just coats the leaves. It makes the ground wet. Jim was talking about the grounds wet. It's a gentle rain that comes. It's a picture that, that God wants to paint of how his words come to us. Not as a violent downpour, or as a, but as a gentle rain. In this picture, we can view the plants. They're being watered, but the plants before the rain comes, they're thirsty. We can view the plants, they're asking for water, they're they're yearning for water, they're leaning towards the skies in hope of water. In this picture, the plants are not asking for a damaging downpour or a hail. They're wanting that gentle rain, that gentle rain like a fine mist, like small raindrops where the raindrops are almost imperceivable, but they're definite. That's the type of rain that will not damage the leaves of the plant. It won't uncover the tender roots of the plant. Just the rain that just gently, but firmly penetrates through the soil and reaches to the roots to bring the plants life. And that's how God is designed for his word to come to us. With an almost unperceivable entry, which is described in our verse here, verse two, my speech shall distill as the dew. Dew is unperceivable. You don't even know what happened until it's there. In the middle of the night, there's no menacing clouds. There's no big, loud Crash of thunder, there's no lightning, there's, there's it's just a gentle without sound. Not even the sound of raindrops. And in this a complete quietness of the night, the dew just distills out of the air. You don't even know it happened. And in the morning the dew has left so much water on the plants it looks like it rained, but it hasn't. What's happened is verse two, distill as the dew. That's how God speaks to our hearts. In verse 2, my speech shall distill as the dew. That's how God speaks to us in the morning. When there's a complete quietness, and we have our Bible out, we call it the quiet time. When there's no noise, we read something we never saw before. It's wonderful. Or maybe we have saw it before, but it's wonderful. Nevertheless, it's wonderful in the Bible, and that speaks to our hearts, and we say, "Lakach, lakach." I receive it into my heart. I claim it as my own. At that moment, what has happened? What has happened to us? Verse 2 has happened to us. My speech shall distill as the dew. At that moment in our quiet time, God has spoken to our hearts like the dew, and those are the precious truths. Those are the precious truths about who the Lord Jesus is, what he's done, that hit the topsoil of our minds, that penetrate into the roots of our souls all the way down, and that brings us life. And as we come out of those quiet times, we emerge in those quiet times where we've been alone with God and go into our day of busyness. We realize throughout the day, God spoke to me. God spoke to me this morning. It wasn't with a loud thunder. It wasn't like a a hailstorm. It was in the quietness of dew that distilled. Like God spoke to Elijah in 1 Kings 19.11, 1 Kings 19.11, God said, he said, "'Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by.'" And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and brake in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out. Elijah heard God speak in a still small voice. Voice like dew that distilled. And it had such an impact on Elijah that he buried his face in his mantle. That's how God speaks to us. Not in a rock crushing wind, not in a, an earthquake, not in a fire, but a still small voice. So softly it comes to us like a gentle rain, softly penetrating through the layers of all of our concerns and worries and anxieties and frustrations and fears when we realize that God just spoke to us. It has such an impact on us that we hide our face in amazement like Elijah did. That's God's design of how he speaks to us. Verse 2 is God's design. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Now, in that verse, in verse 2, we can see that God is referring to two types of plants or two plants that are both in desperate need of water. First, there is what God calls the tender herb. It's not an established plant yet. It's young. It's tender. It's vulnerable to being crushed by damaging showers. And there are times in our lives when we're like the tender herb of verse 2. There are times in our lives when we are hurt when our emotions are frayed, when we're fearful and we are vulnerable to being crushed, that reminds me of one Sunday here, Mission Valley Chapel. Here, when it had been a really rough week for me, it was tough, and my emotions were frayed, and I was fearful. And I was like the tender herb described in verse two, and in that state, there's a dear old lady who came up to me, and she reached up and she put her hand on my cheek, just to give a little loving, gentle pat on the cheek. But I thought she was going to slap me across the face. (laughs) So I winced like that when she did that. And she was surprised. And I apologized to her. And sometimes we are like that tender herb where we expect from others a slap across the face, like Clint just did to his daughter, Carissa, right? (laughs) Just kidding. But this is where the beauty of what God is saying here comes through. So beautifully clear in verse 2. God sees when our emotions have left us like that, like the tender herb. When we're in that state, he comes to us in that case with the gentleness of a distilling dew and a small rain. But then there are times when we're strong. We're strong in the Lord. We're praising God. We're living in the light of his sunshine, of his word. We feel like we're walking with God. We're like that. We're like those tough blades of grass, strong grass. And that's the time when God sends to us showers of blessings. Showers of blessings. Those are times when when our capacity to take in the Bible truth is so great that give me the fire hose, I'm ready to take a drink out of the fire hose. We sing, bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. That's when we're like the grass and we can take it in and God calls us God, God says he sends, in verse 2, showers upon the grass. So the point of verse 2 is that God sees the state we're in at the moment. He sees when we're like the tender herb or like the grass of the field, and he comes to us in the way that's the best for our state. And that shows the tender side of God, the tender side of Jehovah Jesus, the side which is described in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. 40, verse 9. Isaiah 40, verse 9. O Zion, that bring us good tidings, get thee up into the mountain. O Jerusalem, that bring us good tidings, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand and with his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock. Like a shepherd, he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Isaiah 40, the center of that part is in verse 9. Behold your God. In other words, it's saying, this is your God. This is who your God is. There is a sight of God in the next verse, Isaiah 40, verse 10. Isaiah 40, 10. There is a sight of God that is, behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand; His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him. That's the side of God, where He comes with a strong hand to rule over man. That's the sight of God that shows God judging man, that He's meeting out the sentence, the reward of judgment, like God showed with those ten plague judgments in Egypt that destroyed Egypt. God's ultimate rewards of judgment are to send men and women to an eternity of hell. That's verse. Nine side of God. Behold your God. He is this. Yes. But then there's another side of God. A tender side. The behold your God side in verse 11. This is the behold your God side that's going to feed his flock like a shepherd. That's going to gather the lambs with his arm. That's going to carry them in his bosom. That's going to gently lead those that are with young. That's the tender side of Jehovah Jesus. The lovingly, the loving side where he's in such tenderness. He's feeding his people with such care, he's carrying them in his bosom with such compassion, he's leading them, he's looking behind, are you coming? He's leading to follow him. That's the side that's described in Isaiah 32.2 in our passage. What's interesting about the grass with the shower is that how when you look at the individual blades of grass after a shower, you just see water droplets on them, water droplets that are all over each blade and water droplets that are falling off of each blade. Just as if one, one blade of grass is saying, I need water, I need water, and the other blade of grass is saying, I have water, I'll give you water, I'll drop my water onto you, I have water, I need, I, need to, I need to pass it on to you. It's like the blade is dripping with water, is realizing the water is just not for myself. The water is for another blade of grass. That's the picture of us. That's a picture of us. When we receive a great truth, for example, a great blessing, God has spoken to our hearts, that's not meant for us just to keep that to ourselves. It's meant to us to be like the blades of grass. Pass it on. Pass it on to someone. As the Lord said in Matthew ten eight, Matthew ten eight, Freely you have received, freely give, because the water of the word of the Lord is Jesus. He said, I am the life. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. He said in in John 4.14, John 4.14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So just as the plants need the water for life, it's all about life. For the the plants, we, we could call it, that's the water of life. No water, death. Water, life. So we read in Revelation 21, six. Revelation 21.6. He said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Revelation 22.1, Revelation 22.1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Revelation 22.17, Revelation 22.17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that is that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life. Then Moses, realizing these things, is now becoming an example. He says, I'm going to do this. I have received. I'm going to pass it on. He says in verse 3, I will publish the name of the Lord. He say, Moses is saying, I'm going to publish the name of the Lord. You know what's wonderful? so wonderful for us? We know the name of the Lord. We know the name of the Lord to publish. The name of the Lord is not the name. The name of the Lord is not Hashem, meaning the name. The name of the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever my good Orthodox Jewish friends refer to God as Hashem, which means the name, I always say to them, I'm glad you do that. I'm glad you do that because you've just confessed to me you don't know his name. So you just call him the name. I said, but I'll tell you his name is. He has a name. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the name that we should be making known, Jehovah Jesus. Reminds me of the the time when I was um, late to a flight, uh, which was not uncommon. And I rushed onto the plane out of breath, sweating. I sat down and said next to the person beside me, thank the Lord that I made this flight. That's what I said. The man was this giant African-American. He was huge. With a deep voice, he leans over and he says to me, and who might that Lord be? (laughs) I felt about this tall. Squeaky voice, I looked up and said, the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) And he said, all right now. (laughs) That's the name that we should be making known. Why? Because of Acts 4.12, Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's that name. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. What name? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the person that's going to be saved. Then Moses goes on in verse 3 and he says, Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Verse 3. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. That's, that means it's not enough to just say that Jehovah Jesus has power. It's to say that he has great power. It's not enough to say he has mercy, it's to say he has great mercy. It's not enough to just say he loves, it's to say he greatly loves. That's what it means, verse 3 Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. It also means to look at the food that we have, to look at the shelter that we have, to look at the clothes that we have, and not just to say God is a provider, but to say God is a great provider. Ascribe ye, first three, ascribe ye greatness to God Also means to look at the salvation that we have That God has made for us in the Lord Jesus And not just to say it's a salvation But to use the words of Hebrews 2.3 Hebrews 2, three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation?
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible With our Bible teacher Tom Cantor Here on Friendship with God Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at PO box711330, Santee California 92071. That's PO box 711330, Santee, California 92071. or email Tom Cantor,